0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. So, uh, welcome everybody. If you're visiting with us, um, thanks for being here. Welcome to Crossroads. Um, welcome everybody online as well. We have been in the book of Revelation, and we're coming to chapter 12 um, this morning. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can find your way to chapter 12. and um, we're, we're journeying our way through this, this uh, wonderful book, um, and please journey with us. Great having feedback, so I just encourage you, uh, boy, to um, really engage. I think, boy, we're in a season where we need to just kind of come back together, and it might just be over a coffee, um, whatever it is, with questions, but we're here. Please let us know how we can connect you, and um, and just, yeah, just to keep the conversation going, especially in light of all the stuff we're diving into um, here in Revelation. So, I'm going to hurry up as best I can this morning because we want to leave plenty of time. We had a great time at the first service uh, of just a ministry time. Remember, church, we're here. It's not just ever to be a one way thing, it's the body at work, serving, encouraging each other. And we want to leave time this morning um, or after this service to, as we come to the table to just hear from you and see uh, the Spirit move and, and speak. So, Uh, I'm not going to take time. If you're just stepping in, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the previous messages to kind of get some background. We're just coming to chapter 12 in Revelation this morning. Chapter 12 is kind of the center of Revelation. Many people think that really the first 11 chapters, right, uh, have given a big layout picture and that from 12 on, is just greater detail about what is going to happen as we move towards the the day of the Lord. Um, And so we come... To that. I I am going to talk this morning about this idea of seeing the gospel as our weapon. Now that might seem like a strange title, but um, we're going to dive in on that. And my guess is maybe you haven't thought about the gospel necessarily as a weapon when it comes to spiritual warfare when it comes to laying hold of the blessings of God and pushing back the darkness in our life as well as other people's lives. Um, So that's kind of the theme we're going to go at. I just want to step back to last week a couple things here um, and a, a little background. We gave this last week for you to think about. We don't really know someone until we know what they believe, not just what they know. I hope you'll take that and really think about it, especially in this time of kind of regathering of, of all the, the confusion in our culture, everything that's going on, and, and a time of really taking relationships serious, thinking about, wow, what is the quality of relationship and, uh, in, in my life? This is true. Apply this into your parenting. Apply this into your friendship. Apply this into your relationships, right? In church, how well you know someone to your marriage, right? You don't really know someone until you know what they believe. And, and you're not going to find out what they believe until you kind of get some time below the service. And uh, for that's what gives us our values. That's what really makes us tick in the sense of what are we committed to? What do we really um, believe? And uh, this is just an outline. Uh, all five of these things are prominent in the book of, of uh, revelation so we're coming in and out of we'll deal almost every week with some aspect of each of those five things i give these to you just to kind of hold on to them and if you're here or watching online and this revelation is like whoa you've never i talked to someone in the first service and they um they were from a, a church background that was very liturgical growing up in the church entire life never have heard the book revelation not once Entire life in the church, never heard of this book. This is the only book, remember, that comes with a promise to those who hear it, speak it, and keep it. A blessing from a God, a unique blessing. And uh, you have to bring everything to bear. This book is only understood if we take and understand the Old Testament. Because everything in Revelation, the only way to understand it is to understand the prophecies in the Old Testament as they come into fulfillment in the sense of the the final end of God's grand plan of what He's doing. And so I I just, uh, on these things, if you're kind of seeking and wondering, I give you these other questions. We talk about the presence of God. We're going to talk this morning about the restoration of the presence of God in the church today, but the question that ultimately is, are we going to seek him or not? Are we going to seek God or not? And, and I give that question to even us who have been in church forever, especially now as people are scattering, are we going to seek him or not? And um, again, the context of scripture, there is no seeking of God um, uh, in this individual path without also being a part of the people of God. And um, and that's also just a question when we journey with people. It's just, we're trying to get below the surface. Is there a desire to seek God, right? And if there's not, the Bible tells us to move on, right? And to say, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. But we move towards hunger. God, show me. And the ones that where there is no hunger, maybe I might have a family member. I might have people close to us. We labor in prayer. God, stir their hearts. Stir their hearts. For the things of God, stir their hearts for a hunger, right, for God. Power. Hey, what power are we depending on? The whole revelation comes with this uh, greater understanding, and we see an empowered church that's able to stand against intense persecution, who understands life in the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And just a question, right, was what, I mean, what power, just journeying with people, what power are they depending on? Right? For all the big things in your life, yourself, uh, man's technology. You know, uh, but there's a God who gives in his church, folks. The defining point of the early church is to be people of the spirit. People who are defined by the active manifestation of the Holy Spirit when they gather together. Understanding we are temples of the Holy Spirit, spirits in us if we know Jesus. And there is to be evidence of that, right? Is the Spirit is the one we're to serve by the Spirit, not by the law, right, anymore. Prophecy. What's your message, right? What is your message? And um, what is it you're excited about, right? What is your, your message? Everybody should have a message, and uh, the book of Revelation, as we've been talking about, brings to clarity, folks, a greater understanding of our identity of, of, as followers of Christ as prophets and priests. And those go together. And um, I know those are big words. And we've been breaking that down, what that means. But God never intended for there to only be a certain a level of priest or prophet. The New Testament comes with this blowing open of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, the priesthood of the believers, to operate in priestly activity and relationship before God, as well as to grow in prophecy. That's why Paul says, especially pursue prophecy, right, in 1 Corinthians 14. Persecution, are we, what are we willing to live and die for? It's a great question to process with people, but even we as believers, we see in the book of, are we ready? Are we ready to make a stand what we see, what's coming towards us? And I don't have to tell you, right, in our own environment here, in our own culture, there is an escalation in the hostility to, towards everything Jesus. I just think, I just challenge you, bring up the name Jesus in a school board meeting. Bring up the name Jesus in a political discussion. Bring up the name of Jesus in anywhere in public today, and you will experience hostility, I promise. It's a different ball game, and uh, we better be ready for it. We, hopefully we'll have a revival, things will shift, but we don't know. We know that the Bible says, boom, as it comes, there's going to be this clash between two kingdoms, right? Ultimately in the end, and ultimately paradise. Man, what's our eternal hope, right? And the, Bible, and the book of Revelation gives great clarity in what God is preparing for his people. And remember, back to Ephesians 1, God's grand purpose through Christ Jesus is to unite all things in heaven and and on earth together again. And that is what he's working at doing. It's not some pie in the sky thing. God, Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. Heaven, the New Jerusalem, will come back to a restored earth. Um, and again, he's restoring what he wanted in Eden, walking and talking with us. Except, as we'll get into in details, it's going to be a lot better than Eden, even um, the new uh, creation itself. So just, uh, again, just those themes, just take those, and those are great themes. Just to have a discussion with anybody um, about who's. Just kind of stepping in. They might be overwhelmed by this idea of revelation. Do we believe there's a spiritual war going on? Now, most of you, I'm gonna make a general general uh, understanding. Most of you go, well, of course, there's a spiritual war. I understand that in the Bible. But do you realize that today, statistically, over 70% a staggering of, of those who claim to be Christians in America do not believe in the reality of a real devil? And uh, so when you think about spiritual warfare, it's one thing to say you believe it. But again, I talked to two people in the first service, right, that had never in all their church growing ups had never been taught about spiritual warfare. The terminology was not even um, uh, uh, familiar to them. And folks, the entire Bible cannot be understood without understanding that behind this whole physical realm is a spiritual realm where really the things are happening. And the restoration of the church is to engage in, right, into the heavenly realm. The book of Ephesians says that if you know Christ, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly realm. Right? And to flesh that out as a new creation, most, again, is that happening in the church right? where we're encouraging each other in discipleship how to live the spirit-led, filled life to truly take authority that God has given his people to push back darkness in our life as well as right, those around us right? for freedom's sake. And so we're going to get into chapter 12 here. And this is probably the key passage on the big story of spiritual warfare. Of what has happened in the world. um, Between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this earth. Is under the power of uh, Satan. So let's do it. Um, Chapter 12. Now what I'm going to do is. um, I'm not going to just read the whole thing straight through. Because of uh, there's so much here. Um, I'm going to just read and and as i've been doing in this series and i'm just going to make commentary we're just going to journey through together and then i'm going to take two points um from this that we'll drill into at the end all right just to give you a little heads up of of what we're doing but i I plead with you is take notes right whether it's on your phone or be great to have a paper journal um but i I would just say we got to engage on this stuff don't let something just fly by you like oh what does that mean uh, engage, right, and talk to us, right, anybody on staff, any of our leaders, anybody in the church would love to make the time to sit down and just engage about the scriptures, so never ever hesitate um, to ask questions, good questions, um, realizing that many, as I said, even the, those that were here at the first service, they had never even heard this book read, and they grew up in, in, uh, in the church their entire life, okay, So this is a restoration, right, of being people who love God's word, and who hunger for God's word. So Father, we come to you now. Holy Spirit, we ask you just to come and just to stir our hearts, make us a people hungry for your word, Lord. Desperate for your word, thirsty for your word, Lord. Give us ears to hear, God. This morning, your truths, your blessings into our life, Lord. And, o Spirit, we ask you to come in conviction. We ask you to come in encouragement. We ask you to come and bring new life. We ask you even this morning, Lord, to bring, Lord, through the blood of Christ and the word of testimony, defeat over darkness, Lord, and, and new life, light into people's lives. And uh, speak your truth here, Father, and, uh, Lord, stir us at the innermost part of our being. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Now, remember, this is John. John is the Apostle John. He's on the island of Patmos for the word of God. He was, he was uh, I, um, exiled to that island because of the preaching of the name Jesus. And in the Roman government, there was no room for Jesus, Lord of all lords. It was, there was only room for any other god as long as it could blend together as well as emperor worship, but not the name of Jesus. And... Uh, Folks, um, if you think we're that far behind that is you need to take a look at what's going on, right, in our culture today. You can speak of any God. You can speak of any spirituality today. And it will be open arms in the schools and everything else. You mentioned the name Jesus and the gospel, right, and there's a closed door, right, more and more. And um, who would have thought, even in our lifetime, right, this kind of shift? This should not surprise you. This should not surprise you. If anything, it should encourage you, right, with the truth of the gospel and bring the pages, especially the New Testament, alive, right, in the sense that now we're living, right, in a context just like the early uh, followers of Christ who lived in a culture that was hostile to their very faith, right? Right. Versus living, like many of us have grown up, in, a, in a, a, a culture that affirmed our faith, affirmed our Christian faith, though it created this, I would say, very unhealthy Christian culture, right? That, um, that we're seeing the whole holes blown out on that right now, especially. All right, here we go. And this is John, giving a vision, a prophetic word from Jesus himself, the glorified Jesus, about what is yet to come in the larger perspective. We step back in history a little bit. Um, in this as well as we look forward in this chapter and a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars she was pregnant was crying out with birth pains and agony in the agony of giving birth okay so this is israel obviously the 12 tribes of uh but, but it's bigger than that, because the remnant Israel, we know Israel that God created, uh, called out Abraham, called out in the Old Testament, a people for his covenant promises, for he needed, right, a people for the Messiah to come through a certain line, the tribe of Judah, the Messiah, the seed of the gospel to bring about his saving plan in, um, in the world. But this also is a picture, right, of the larger aspect of the church, as we're going to see here. Now... I've said this before and if you're here and you're like this hardcore pre-trib pre-mill you know you got your box and you got your timeline I would just say set that aside if not throw it in the garbage okay in the sense that I would say nothing I grew up under all that nothing wrong with that but that is man's schemes I think what God is doing now especially with prophecy is he's broadening the scope and we're to realize what's happening with a lot of those schemes is they were man's ideas of putting things together rather than the only way to truly understand Revelation is to be intensely in deep into the Old Testament everything in the book of Revelation is only understood if I understand the Old Testament and read it into here okay and uh, and so there's larger themes here I think we need to hold on to and the beauty of, of the one of the prophecies in Daniel is that as the time gets closer more revelation is going to come for those who ask seek and knock those who who step into their identity as prophets and priests of God's church God promises revelation greater revelation as time gets close about what he's doing in history and so those are the uh the things that we need to hold on to here and um again i think as we understand prophecy there's always the already that god that has been done in the past but just it's also to be a picture of what is yet that god is yet to do and when it comes to the church in Israel, as I told you last week, I believe there's still a hope for national Israel in the sense of revival for that. I believe, according to Romans 11, that God is going to do something. I believe that they're going to rebuild that physical temple there. Um, as Not but to restore worship or any of this stuff, but, the, but so that in the process of that, that God is going to um, historically, politically bring about um, the things we see in scripture. Um, but the larger picture of that. Is the, is is bringing Israel. Having a revival in Jerusalem itself. But at the same time. The bigger picture. Is what God is doing through his church. Among the nations. And uh, like here. The woman with the 12. Also they had the 12 apostles. This is a, a bigger picture. All through the, the uh, revelation. Revelation. And um, when we see this imagery, it is also, it's all the people of God. It's the remnant of believers in Israel, as well as the remnant of believers among all the nations of the world makes up, right? The church, the remnant of Israel that uh, is spoken about in <clears throat> Romans 11. And we, if you want more of that, we talked about that last week and the week before um, as well. Verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child he might devour it. So this red dragon is obviously this is Satan, and later in this chapter we'll see specifically that um, he's revealed as that. Um, The red is, you go to chapter 17, back to chapter 6, and uh, red as the scarlet harlot that we'll get to, Uh, Babylon, the city, the world system. Um, It talks about the red is the indication of the persecution, devouring the blood of the saints, basically, Um, the martyrdom of the saints. And uh, so that's the imagery, as well as the red horse in one of the earlier um, uh, judgments and uh, in the seal judgments um, as well. So um, this idea of his tail swept down, this is a big verse, a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. Obviously, this goes way back to the beginning because you know that in the garden, God created everything good, but there's this serpent, right, who's tempting evil. How did he get there? How did he get to earth? So there was some fall, Satan at some point, we you know, you could take Ezekiel 28, you could take... Um, isaiah 14 the talk about the fall of satan before at the very beginning um and at that time he swept away the um some of the other angels um the evil angels um but also what we see in luke 10 right jesus tells the disciples right he he engages them and says he saw satan falling like lightning as a response to the disciples coming back and reporting the glorious testimony of them pushing back the darkness and bringing um deliverance to people who were demonized and so this idea of Satan falling, it, it has specific thing back in the beginning. But also it's a picture in Revelation and the New Testament of any time that the power of God pushes back the darkness and limits the power of Satan. And we'll talk about that um, in a little more uh, detail here in just a second. And the, the casting of these, the third of the stars swept, um, you know, stars as imagery for angels. Um, and so that's what... That 's referring to it, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she her bore her child, he might devour it. Um, obviously, this is the birth of the messiah. This goes back to jesus um, uh, birth, right through Mary, and we know the spiritual warfare going on you, you very rarely hear about it in Christmas time, do you, about Herod and slaughtering of all the children at the time, there was a ugly, dark, bloody, horrific spiritual warfare that, uh, that, that um, affected right what was going on in the world in history around the time of Christ's birth and uh, he goes on here to say that she gave birth to a male child one is who's to rule all the nations with a rod of iron but her child was caught up to God and to his throne so In other words, Jesus came, and this is what confounded people. He didn't come as the ruler, the political rule of all nations. When he returns, he will return with his full glory to reign and rule over all his creations. We see all through the Old Testament, right, the nation's rage. The nations are, we we know, under the control of Satan and darkness, the kingdom of the world. And if you know your history, you know that every nation, right, what happens? What happens when men get power? Right over a period of time, it never goes well. Right. In other words, the nations rage. In other words, they they are ultimately will push against. Um, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of God, and the rulership of God over them, and just look at our own culture, right, is that people want, we want to rule, we want uh, the metaverse, right, we've rejected everything, the meta, the grand glorious stories of the metaverse, right, which is this big overarching story that makes sense of everything, we as a culture, we've taught our children now decades, no longer any grand story you're a part of, right, you're on your own to create your own actually, and so uh, what are we doing, we got the metaverse coming out, right, creating our own universe, our own System of reality to understand things, rejecting God and his uh, plan and his purposes completely, and that 's permeated folks our education and our our culture more than we would really ever ever realize um, this going on, but it says he is to rule right with, uh, with a rod of iron, um, but his child was caught up so to God and to his throne, so Jesus, as resurrection, went to the right hand of the Father, awaiting there for his church. Right and, and listen to this. It says, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Wow, a lot here. Um, what I'm going to break down here in a minute is our understanding of church and the gospel. And what I would say is the book of Revelation, more than any other book uh, in the Bible, it challenges our understanding of church. And if there's ever, and challenges our understanding of what the fullness of the gospel is really all about. And if there's ever a time that we need right now in the church to restore a healthy understanding of church and a healthy understanding of the gospel, it's now and this, um, everything you read in here is going to challenge everything you've been taught and and to understand about church and what we're going to see, right, is how much of the world, how much of business, how much of entertainment, how much of consumerism, how much of all that has actually impacted church rather than the gospel, rather than the, the scriptures, right, themselves how much of our therapeutic culture and and to go down the list of self help and everything else is actually impacted how we share the gospel, how we understand the gospel, rather than this glorious powerful Paul says man I'm not ashamed of God it is the power of God for salvation and that word salvation sozo means healing deliverance it's this vast glorious picture of what God is doing in other words all things are possible with the power of the gospel when the church and believers wield that glorious good news in a healthy way all things are possible there is no darkness that can stand that is not the gospel that is being mainly preached right today in our culture. Hence why we do not see the radical, radical testimonies that we've seen throughout history at different revivals. Where someone meets Jesus and their life is changed. It's not this therapeutic, well God immediately his help, I need Jesus to help me in this tough time. That's not the gospel. That's not the power of God working. That is some other thing working, folks, and we gotta call that out. We gotta call it what it is. When Jesus, when somebody meets Jesus Everything changes. doesn't mean we stop sinning completely. But it means, man, I was this, now I'm that. And if I don't have that turn, if I don't have a radical experience with God, we have got to question the reality of that experience, right? And uh, that lends us leads us into really understanding the fullness and the power, right, of the, of the gospel that Paul talked about. Otherwise, we've watered it so far down. Most people, it's no different than some psychology, self-help, you know, wonderful little thing over here to help me out, right, today. It says, the woman who fled into the wilderness, folks, wilderness in the Greek, this name is Eremos, and, uh, and it says that she had a place, in the Greek word there is Topos, and we'll come back to Aramis Topos, which is technical language that Jesus has used. When it says that Jesus got up early in the morning, went out to a solitary place, Aramis Topos. And uh, we're going to talk about that this place prepared for the woman, for the church, for the children of God, right, is actually the sanctuary of God and the power of wilderness that it protects from protection right? Um, And and it's a strengthening time in the midst of trials, 1260 days. Folks, we talked about Jesus, uh, this 1260 days, 42 months, three and a half years. Um, This is language all here. You have to go back to the book of Daniel to understand how this is used, but nowhere else is it so clear that this time period is not some technical thing, the first half of tribulation versus the second half, though there might be something to that. Possibly, we'll see what happens. But um, and again, hey, if G- if there's a pre if there's a pre-trib rapture, amen, right? But uh, I'm not banking on it because I don't see it clearly in here. We best be ready, right? Um, is what the scripture has to to say. But that 1,260 folks, Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. You watch throughout Scripture it is a time period that's prophetic and powerful. Right now, we are in the midst of the mo. This 1,260 day period that is prophetic for the strengthening and the persecution of God's church and the mission of God's people to take this good news to the nations until Jesus returns, right? To end that time. And when he returns, it's going to be that final tribulation, the great tribulation. And and, uh, some of this we're getting ready to see even in this um, chapter here. Now, verse seven, war rose into heaven. Michael, who is one of two names of angels, Michael and Gabriel, that we have in scripture. And Michael was the angel specifically over Israel, to watch over Israel and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon so here we have the spiritual warfare we know that what is happening up there in the heavenlies is is cause is connected to what is happening here in history and uh, and the dragon his angels fought back but they were defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who was called the devil and satan the deceiver of of the whole world. Now don't miss it right here, John. makes it very clear. I know you've read maybe in the Old Testament and back to Genesis 3 that the serpent wasn't really Satan. Well, it's very clear right here. It couldn't be any clearer who the ancient serpent is. Who is behind all this? It's Satan himself. It's, a, it's not some vague just evil. It is a personification of, of some evil angels that have fallen. And still God's allowing them to operate for his purposes right in this world. Until God uh, at the end of Revelation makes all things right. Brings ultimate justice right to this world. He is thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. And they have conquered him. And folks, just memorize this verse. We're going to camp out on here in a little bit. And they have conquered him. That's us. That's the church conquered who Satan darkness by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even to death. In other words, they had a hold. If you know, Jesus, you have a treasure that far surpasses anything this life can offer. And, uh, and this book, like any, like no other book is going to challenge my perspective on life and death and truly my faith in the promises of God of what is coming. Um, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. Now... This, this is speaking about, and there's all kinds of discussion, when did this happen? When was, Jesus, when was Satan cast down like this, where he can no longer accuse the brethren? And um, I, I think it's pretty clear, we have Job, right? You have Zachariah you have Old Testament, where Satan would come before God in heaven and accuse. His role is the accuser, he is the deceiver of the nations. He begins with deception, like he did in the garden with Eden, with uh, Eve, and then he moves to full-on Not just deception, but absolute, um, right, coming in and oppressing, right, people uh, and accusing um, us that we're not worthy of his grace. And uh, we're going to dive in on that in just a second here. Therefore rejoice, O heavens. Um, He's coming down, um, you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea. The devil is coming down. In other words, this is a vamping up of spiritual warfare, spiritual realities of demonic attack and uh, in the world which we already saw that in chapter 9 there is As the time gets in, in other words, and folks, again, I I, I talked a little bit about this last week, but just look at what's happening in our society, right? Is we had a covering, we had somewhat of a covering, and and the restrainer's been lifted, right? Well, our nation is quickly moving into the same that you would see in many third world countries, blatant oppression, blatant spiritual warfare, and demonic stuff uh, just rising up at all new levels, and that's going to happen around the world as as we get to um, the end and Jesus promised it, right? And he said there will be more false prophets, false teachers that will rise up that will lead many astray. And they will do mighty signs and wonders, right? Um, so that is coming, and we see kind of the beginning stirring of, of some of that that's taking place now. Again, boy, can we have a revival and turn things back around for a, a dispensation of grace, of, of a time? Sure. We don't know, right, um, until God reveals uh, as things get closer. And when the dragon saw he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman, right? Israel, the remnant of, of Israel and the church, who given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings, and this goes back to the Exodus. Same language, when they were saved out of Exodus, they were given two wings to go into the wilderness to meet with the presence of God. So wilderness language, Eremos, we're going to tie that in here in just a second, is technical language of being a temple, being the presence of God, to for the strengthening of uh, each other, for to be able to take what? The heat, the persecution, right? To be a faithful witness. To the place where she to be nursed, for here it is again, a time and times and half a time, that same technical prophetic language for the 1260 days. The serpent poured water water like a river out of its mouth after the woman to sweep her away with flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opened his mouth, swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Anytime in prophetic language you see the mouth, you're talking about words. And so again, this is the, what is the, the enemy's primary thing is accusation, condemnation, and deception, right? In, uh, into the world among the nations and in our individual lives as well. And this is exactly how we're gonna get to the mark of the beast is the only way somebody can take that mark is they've been deceived, radically deceived, blinded, right, by the powers of the world, by the enemy that they're going to actually believe um, that and take hold of the world rather than God's grace, his mercy, his love, the free gift that is offered in Christ. We'll get into more of that in just a second. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. This is all those to come to Jesus later on, on those who keep the commandments of God And hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, that is Satan, stood on the sand of the sea. Um, The showdown is taking place. We're getting ready to vamp it up here. All right. All right. So just um, because I want to leave time for us to participate. uh, A couple things this morning I want to drill in on. First one is, do we see the church as the sacred place of God's presence? Where we are strengthened and protected during trials and persecution. What's your view of church? And what we know what's going on in America right now is there's not really that great view of a church. For most American Christians, church is optional. That is not the case in the book of Revelation. You won't survive without being intimately connected to a local body somewhere. It's not an option. It can't just disappear for a season or whatever it is. I'm going to say it as clear as I can because we need to hear it today as God's people. Is what has happened over the last couple of years has just revealed the weakness of the church, the weakness of faith, the weakness of our understanding of actually the gospel itself. And this needs to be restored. Uh, And part of that restoration is God wants to restore his presence back at the center. What have we done with church? We've brought business models in. We've brought a thousand different things. I plead with everyone, right, is is let's make sure to take some time. Jesus said, we need a new wineskin for this thing. Don't use the old methods. We need something new. We need something new that honors the presence of God. Ultimately, at the very center of this, because... Ephesians tells us that when God's people gather, it is the temple of God. God's presence is here and he's building it up, right? And uh, there's a special aspect of his presence when all of us gather as the church. We are a temple or in, alone, but we're called to come together and build one and up as the uh, temple of God. And God promises his presence, his radical presence there. And so I think we need to evaluate everything, right? Uh, along those lines and, and this idea of wilderness and place, um, there's just so much here. Um, but but this, this Eramos Tapos, this wilderness place, you look through the gospels. Jesus, what did he do? He got up early and he went to Aramos Tapos, a wilderness place to be with the Father, to strengthen him, empower him, that he might step back in right to the world and carry out. As he says, I, he did nothing he didn't see the Father do. And this language of the church being nurtured and protected in a place of wilderness for a period of time is God longing his people to come into sanctuary with him to Eramos Tapas, like Jesus modeled for us, right? To be in a place where his presence dwells, right? And, and where he wants to nurture and strengthen his people, right? For a season. It, it, the church gathered on the earth is an expression of the presence of God and what is happening in heaven. And that's all going to be coming together, right? And we see in the Bible, right? That has the bride, we we'll get further into Revelation, is the bride made herself ready? Is the bride ready? That's the church. Has it ready? And, and by the way, the bride is not some individuals that are off here just checking, who are not connected. It is the corporate gathered body. Is the bride ready, right, for the coming of the Lord? This wonderful, beautiful, right, reunion, right, that, um, that uh, is spoken about in the Scripture. And uh, so I, I just throw this out, this, this wonderful language, right, um, that we see in the Scripture, this God desires, right, to take us. And the wilderness is a time of trial, strengthening, but it's also protecting time. And, uh, and that's where God wants to meet us. God called the Israelites out of Egypt, right, to meet with them, put his fire of presence right in the center of them. He's calling you out. That's what church is. And wouldn't it be radical? So I just throw this idea out. What would happen in the church in America today? Let's just take our own context. Here at Crossroads Village Community Church in Houston. Um, by the way, these all, uh, many of these guys here are part of the leadership team there, which we're excited about our partnership with you guys. So cool to see what's happening there. Um, and boy, we need that. We need partnership like never before in the gospel. That's how Paul used it um, you know uh in the new testament to partner with one another for the gospel for the strength and encouragement of each other in different contexts around the world but what would happen as we think about the presence of god what would happen if something changed if everybody that came to church right realized i'm coming to meet with god god's presence is there what happened to our children what would happen to families if we were taught early on that hey we got a church god's god is there That's where he bestows his favor. That's where we hear from him. That's where he brings new life into us. We are gathered there to what? Romans commands us to bring a living sacrifice before God as his people, right? To be the temple and to realize at the center of this whole thing, man, I don't care how fancy or good the music is or, or the preacher, any of these things is we're going after the presence of God. And when we come together and we honor him, I put him at the center of this thing. Guess what? He moves. He manifests himself powerfully with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Not just on people on stage. It should have never have been that way. And this is what we're going to unleash to you. Is it's the body at work. And that's why he gives all the spiritual gifts out there, especially the nine in 1 Corinthians 14, is to be used when the temple gathers together to build up one another, right? And to realize God is among us. God is among us. You can sit and listen to good teaching. Wow, that was a good teaching. I'm take that note. I'm going to think about that. You can come and listen to some good worship being led and everything. And that's going to be good, right? But I'm telling you, if you come to church and the Spirit of God hits you, you get a prophetic word for someone, you get someone, you start serving someone, you take somebody out for lunch, you meet somebody's need, you get up at the microphone and give testimony of the word, right? But what Jesus has done for you now, guess what's happened? You've encountered God. And the church is better for it. Is that how you were taught church? Is that what church was modeled for you? That's what the Bible clearly lays out for us. That is what's to happen when God's people gather together. Anything else, anything else is just a weak version, right, of what God wants to do, right, among his people when they gather together, right? And so no book is going to challenge, no book is going to challenge your view of church like this book, like Revelation. It's going to make us all have to wrestle with, whoa. What what do we do here? But I just plead with you to camp on this one thing. Man, as you prepare on a Sunday, if it would change your commitment, my commitment, right, to each other, right? But also just what happens here if I realize, Lord, you're there. You want to meet with us. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. And I'm available, God. I'm available. Now, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here. Um, is part of the problem is that we've grown up in an era where, guess what, we've changed the definition of church. We've gathered people together for the purpose of, what, of reaching the person who's not here yet. You'll find that nowhere in scripture, by the way. And this is the whole, if you heard, seeker-sensitive model. Of course we're saying We want to invite. We want people to be here. But what 1 Corinthians 14 says, it is what really is transformative is when someone comes from the outside and they see God's people worshiping God with abandonment and they see the power of God that hits them square in their face. The love and the power and the grace of God. It's not us watering everything down to make people feel comfortable. You'll find that nowhere in Scripture. We need to repent of that. We need a whole course change in that approach. And I'm I'm saying where I'm guilty, just as guilty as the next person, right, on that whole thing. So just another little side note. Last thing, and then we're gonna have some fun together. Um, Folks, do we see the gospel as our salvation, security, and the main weapon of spiritual warfare? Man, no book challenges our view of the power of the gospel like this book does. And the gospel is the primary weapon Right To use to push back darkness. And what we just read about is that the enemy, he is used to accusing. Now the beauty of the cross and the resurrection, Jesus defeated him. And again, there was a fall of Satan at the cross. He no longer has the ability in the courts of heaven to come to Job, right? Or anybody else who knows Jesus and accuse. They don't deserve that God. And Jesus says, my blood has covered them. And when verse 11 says... Simply, they have conquered. They, that's the church, that's us. They've conquered by the blood of the Lamb. Folks, there is power in the blood, there's authority in the blood. When you understand actually what's happened for you, that the authority you can walk in, Jesus says, now all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go, church, operate in that right is there is no darkness in your life there's no past trauma there's no excuse we have of looking backwards right and and allowing the enemy to hit us with condemnation hit us with accusation we can give him space for that right and he'll come boy he'll come and he'll just put us under his hand right but the power of the blood is to say no i'm covered by the blood i'm free from that i'm not going to buy those lies i'm going to walk in freedom And I always say this, because I see it in my own life, the greatest, I think, expression of knowing if I'm actually walking under the gospel or not is what I do right after I sin. And we all will sin. We all do sin. But as a Christian, what do I do? The second I sin, what do I do right after I sin? Right? What I do then says everything about am I under the gospel. And what we should do when we sin, when we're convicted, with first thing we should repent father forgive me forgive me and john tells us first john says that man if we repent he what will cleanse us and it's that quick the blood has covered and we say lord your blood has covered me i'm not going to let give an open door see when i sin i open the door to the enemy to come in and start accusing me again part bring me under condemnation and i'm not going to do it. i'm going to shut that door as quick as it can be if you linger if I linger at that place, right, and, and allow the accusation, the condemnation to come in, and oh, I'm just not worthy any longer, oh, how could I do that? And you, we, know, we all know that, right? You know what? The enemy comes in, he can get a stronghold again. And you know what? The gospel is corrupted in my life. The blood has been shed for you. It's done. You just have to bring in repentance your sin to God to walk in freedom. And that should happen quick, right? That should happen super quick in the sense that I'm not going to give the enemy time to get in with his deception and his lies, right? And folks, I, I don't, I think for me at least, and I think for most of us, especially in our culture, the greatest battle is with ourselves. The greatest battle is with myself, believing like I'm going, to, I'm going to really take that, I'm going to really believe in that grace. I'm going to really believe you freed me in order for I repent and I'm going to walk in freedom. I believe that our battle is, oh Lord, I, you know, we just like, I did it again, all right, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we just heap on ourselves. I need to, and sometimes we even feel like, I deserve this. And we step way out of the grace of God. Folks, the gospel is the greatest weapon you have, right, to push back darkness in your life. And then once you start experiencing freedom, guess what? You step into other people's lives and you get them on the gospel. It is the tool we need. It is all you need ultimately to set Freedom into somebody's life from any darkness, any addiction, anything going on. It is the power of God to do that. It's time for us and the church to believe that and start operating in that. So we see those testimonies, the word of their testimony, standing up like we had the first service, a couple people to testify. This is what Jesus has done. He set me free. The gospel has set me free. And um, again, the revelation like no other book is going to challenge our understanding of the glory of the gospel. And we need to expand that, realize there is nothing, folks. And I encourage you right now, if there's something you've been battling with, it could be a family issue, it could be an ch- issue with a child, it could be you know, healthy, just whatever it is, is don't give the enemy room. The blood is covered. All of it. It is done, it is finished, as Jesus said. Right? And it's by faith to say, I'm going to live under that and um, today we've created because of our therapeutic culture so many people who just want to linger linger in my mess folks I don't find it way. Anyway. if you can find it you show me in the bible where we linger in the mess the blood has been shed it is finished I by faith have to take that and that is part of being the new creation and living under the power of the gospel does that make sense is that's why it's such amazing news it's time for the church to wield that weapon and see radical freedom come into our lives and other people's lives and uh, so i just leave that with you right to think about in this book those two things man, Lord, what are you doing when it comes to church? He's stirring, and Lord, show us here at Crossroads. How do, what do we need to change, Lord? Just We want to honor you in your presence first and foremost. We don't honor first and foremost people, man's desires, pleasing men. We honor and please God first and foremost, and we as the church in America have failed, and I'm going to say crossos here on that issue. We, God, we want to honor you first, whatever it takes. We honor you first right? We want this to be a place of dwelling, a restoration. We don't want to be like the church of Ephesus, right? They might have their lampstand removed from the presence of God. Serious business, right? And so, Derek, come on up. Um, And uh, I just uh, open these mics up. They're open here because, again, the church is to be the church. And uh, as we always invite, um, just, and keep that verse up if y'all would. Man, Conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And i just say this morning, man, if you, if you have a word to encourage us about what the gospel's done in your life, please bring it. If you have, if you have a word, a testimony of, of, man, the testimony of, wow, what Jesus has done for your life, right, come share that. If you have a prophetic word that is for us as a whole body, bring it. If you, have a, if you sense, right, there needs to be healing here, bring it. Right, All those gifts, we do have time to go through all those, but this is a time for, the, for God to move and for us to partner with God. And the whole context is to build each other up. This is how we build one another up, right? And unleash the body, right, for ministry. So, Father, we come to you and thank you for your word. And, Lord, I'm just covering you in my, my miscommunication or error. God, um, let the truth of your word sink deep. And, uh, Lord, restore, restore us, God people of your presence, Lord, first and foremost, to honor you. And Holy Spirit, just, just flow here this morning. Just come among your people, Lord, in power and strength and comfort. We want to hear from you, God. We want to build up each other, Lord. For your glory, God.